Let's dig in. I had some things that made me pause and ponder this week. Um, if you hadn't noticed, I, I uh, added a bunch of the pause and ponders to the countdown, just in case if you're just sitting here and not talking, you can see them. But I'm going to just share a couple of the ones that were shared earlier in the, in the countdown. Um, if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it's like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. It's like having our own standard that's higher than God's. You know, but I just can't forgive myself. Well, that's an ego trip. It really is, even though you might be a nice person. Because <laughs> people do that, especially the, the really kind people. They probably have the hardest time forgiving themselves. Um, I thought that was a good thing to remember because this forgiveness topic keeps coming up. I like this next one too. When a deep injury is done to us, we never heal until we forgive. I was listening to a, a message by Peter Hyatt uh, yesterday, and he was dealing with the topic of forgiveness. And I'm probably going to send it up to the Grounds and Grace group because it was so, so good. Um, but he has a wonderful spin on forgiveness that uh, it just hit me. There's the have to forgive, the need to forgive, you ought to forgive, but also the misconceptions of why you're not forgiving. It was, it was beautiful, really excellent conversation. And uh, I think he says something I say all the time as well. You can't do it. The Holy Spirit's the one who does it in us, prompts us, creates that willingness that helps us scream out that word, I forgive so-and-so. And that doesn't mean... Stuff doesn't have to get dealt with. It just means you can now deal with the problem from a place of having forgiven while still wrestling with all the brutal emotions. Trust me, I know. I thought that was really, really good. Don't let another person's fear of mystery limit your journey into it. There are many folks who are pro and against learning and unlearning. Some are saying you should not explore new teaching because we have it all already and there's nothing new. And yet, there is mystery to be explored. The mystery of the Trinity, the mystery of God's love. You and I do not know everything about the love of God. It's impossible for us because it's so big, so wide, deep, high. I think I even have that verse coming up later. But the whole point is there's a mystery we get to dive into or, or I think get sucked into. I, I think that's what's really happening. You meet somebody who's been sucked into the journey of mystery and you're not tracking with them. That's their journey, not yours. You don't have to follow that path. But you also don't have to be afraid because the Holy Spirit is the guide, the teacher that never leaves us or forsakes us and like the word abandon better. The Holy Spirit will never abandon us. We may feel like it emotionally, but it's impossible. Anyway, I thought that was really good. What we believe matters. Part three, believing what is true about how God sees you impacts how we live. Not only does your concept of what you think God thinks of you or how God views uh, people around you or how you view God, those things will impact your mind, your body physically. Your belief will impact how you behave how you treat everyone around you, 
I can have an idea. I can probably judge, ha ha, judge what you believe about God by how you behave and how you treat people consistently. That, that's how it works. And I have a hunch, if you're anything like me, I love learning more about this God who is love and unlearning the system of trying to perform to get God to love us. I, I can't believe how that's still etched in someplace and how rampant that theology is in our culture in the West. It's brutal. So let's look at some verses that will remind us. Now, we're going to use the two examples we started the series with of Jesus healing uh, the two blind men. He says, you will have what your faith expects. So obviously there's an expectation. If you're in an argument with somebody, a theological one, you can argue all you want, and it's almost pointless because they have an expectation already. They have a belief. And now you're fighting over who's more right? Is that really it? Or is the conversation with a trusted person and a safe place where you're putting your stuff, your thoughts and beliefs on the table in a safe place before someone and you can evaluate and rethinking, well, this part, I see it this way. And then person number two says, and here's how I see it, just a little bit differently. And one may actually nudge the other one into a deeper mystery of the goodness of God. But what about your faith? What you believe? You can say, I don't believe any of this stuff. I, don't th I think we need to just not touch anything in new theology, because it's not really new, actually, just so you know. There's no such thing as new theology. This is the only new bad theology. I just saw that yesterday, I think. I don't know who posted it, but it was like, that is brilliant. <laughs> uh, so another translation says the same thing. Your trust in me will make it so. So who do you place your trust in? It's hard to place your trust in somebody that you don't trust. That is inconsistent. So what about this God we say we believe in? Ephesians 3, didn't get to read this last week, so I'm going to jump right in. When Christ will make his home, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down to God's love and keep you strong. Hmm. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Now, this does not mean objective as in he's not there and by doing some things, then he will make his home. That's not what this is saying. This is called the fruit of recognizing Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is what Paul talks about in Colossians. But as we put our roots into God's love and discover the love of God, then everything will change. I think the love, God is love, and that whole topic, although some people say it's too flighty, airy-fairy, it's just way too simplistic, God is love. Yeah, yeah, I heard that forever. God loves you, yes, of course, that's his job, you know. But stop and say it slower. Don't go quickly. God is love. Maybe our definition of love it needs to be revisited, which it does. But it's God's love that will keep us strong. To believe we are loved. To believe he loves us, no matter what. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, and I love that translation, that you have the power to understand. Understanding matters too. You can have all kinds of knowledge, lots of info. Some people are 
theological magnets. They have their Bibles memorized. They got textbooks memorized. They see it once and memorize it. Uh, I don't get along well with those people. I just, I, I say, what? Uh, hey, Google, where's that found? <laughs> Oops. It actually, <laughs> cancel. <laughs> it just listen to my voice. I'm not, I'm not Google. God is love, and we need to understand what that means in the practical everyday life, how, how it works itself out in our homes, how it works itself out in the car when we drive, <laughs> and how it works itself out wherever we go in our relationships with our, our families. Here we go. As, this is what you're supposed to know. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. This is a fact. This is non-negotiable. So you don't get to have an opinion if it's true or not. Yes, I can. Well, of course you can, but this is blatantly clear. There's a prayer that even the Holy Spirit prays for you, that you will understand how deep, how wide the love of God is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Oh, see? I meet too many people who are well-churched. Oh, yeah. I know about the love of God. You better shape up so you do too. <laughs> okay. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. This is, this is interesting. If you have a misunderstanding that you are lacking something, you're going to read this text wrong. But when we read this text from the place of having all and everything in Christ in us already, we already possess this. We speak from the place of blessing, not lack. So every time you see, then this will happen, or then I get that, no, you're made aware of it in you already by practicing these things. So may you experience the love of Christ so you can understand it, but to experience it is another thing. I pray for this in the long-term care home all the time when I do my chapel services, that the people will experience the peace of Christ in a special way. When I'm at a funeral, may everyone experience the peace of Christ. That's practical to me. You know, I can pray a generic prayer, may your peace be on all. Well, that's nice, but it means nothing in my ears because it's, it's a, unfortunately, and this is not a, a slam against liturgies, but if liturgy has become meaningless, then it's just words that you don't hear anymore. It's like seeing, um, how many of you noticed the exit sign over there above the door? You didn't. It's been there the whole time. The whole time we've been here. Why don't you see it anymore? Because it's used to it. Whatever. It's not important. It's like a picture in your house. Unless you move your pictures around a lot, which some people do. But anyway, um, a piece of furniture. You don't notice it anymore. Oh, God is love. You don't notice that anymore. So to use words like experience, this jars the attention. That's why I use different translations to jar our attention to rethink is you have all these Bible verses you've heard before or even some memorized in a certain translation. When you hear it, yep, 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 you get the box for it, but the emotions aren't attached to it anymore or never were. 
Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life. Remember, Jesus came to give life abundantly, to give life in all of its fullness. Are we living out of our fullness or are we living out of our emptiness? That's an important, honest question. Am I living out of my lack? Begging God for more? Begging God for something that I already have? And because I'm not experiencing it, so I say it's not there? That's a lack of faith prayer. I'm trying to encourage us to look at the facts of how God sees you and I and the reality of Christ in you. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is, this is a loaded verse. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power. Whose power? His power. And where is it? At work. Where? In you. Maybe start your prayer with God who lives in me. The one with whom I am one. It's like that Star Wars scene. I'm one with the force. The force is one with me. I'm one with the force. Remember that one scene? It's hilarious if you know it. But if not, oh well. But the point is to speak something that is true with your words so your ears will hear, so your mind hears, and you prompt more belief. That's already there. I am one with Christ, and Christ is one with me. Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. I'm in union with Christ. There is no separation. Separation is an illusion in my mind. I tell my ears this through my voice constantly when I forget. And the Holy Spirit prompts me. Glory to him in the church. By the way, it's that work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So you think your prayers are pretty big and deep? Ha! You haven't even started. There's more. You can't even comprehend how much more God wants to do in you and through you and those around you. And wait, it's not even about you. Oh, sorry, just in case I hit a nerve. You know, this, this is about union, other-centered our culture is so ego-centered. It's about me, 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 my rights, my rights, me, me, me. Now that I have a taste of my rights, I want more of my rights. And the selfishness that comes out, decisions and relationships that break up as a result, it's awful. People don't know who they are anymore. They're trying to become something because they don't know they already have all they need. They don't know they are already accepted in love. So they pursue something else to get the feeling, the experience of being loved. And that will fall flat. If not in this life, at least in the next, they're going to have a revelation. But it's more than you can think. Much more. Maybe that is a cause for some humility in our prayer. Maybe we begin our prayer shutting up. Not saying a word. Maybe it's just finding stillness, finding silence. Maybe, maybe that is the prayer we're being sucked into because the distractions are causing us to not see, hear, and believe. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Now let's read the same thing in the Passion Translation now. 
The Passion Translation is a translation written from an Aramaic perspective, okay? Not from the Greek, just in case you're wondering why. Never doubt God's mighty work, power to work in you and accomplish all this. That's a shorter way of saying it. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Infinitely. How, how much is infinitely? Anybody ponder what does infinitely mean? Infinitely more as in much, much more than that. And then even more than that. But that that you thought was more, is, it's infinitely more than that. Times 20? No. Times 1,000? No. You know what I mean. Infinitely more. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imaginations. Now, <laughs> this is not talking about, because um, I, I, I can hear someone say right away, well, I'm just going to try and, and if, if I feel it, then, then I get to want it and that must be true because I feel it. Well, hang on. That is so subjective. Now you're living from your feelings, not from Christ. There's a difference. Otherwise, you get into this airy-fairy, feel-good, and I get whatever I want, and because I feel it, I believe it, I am, I accept this, and blah, blah, blah. Like that, that thinking is such a dangerous and incomplete way to live from Christ. It's the exact opposite. Because if you're thinking about this is how I feel, and this is, this is true to me, then wait a minute, what's the source of your truth? Really, what is the source of your truth? Well, it's just the way I feel. Well, I don't want to know how you feel if it's only going to be a, a reaction to your thinking because your thinking can come from all kinds of places. Do you trust that? I don't. Be wary of people who say, that's just how I feel, just speak in my mind. Eek! Run from them. That's dangerous. Just speak in your mind. Well, some need to learn their inside voice and let the Holy Spirit do some interpretation there. When you're so loose and callous and insensitive to everyone else around you and it's about you getting your thought and your belief out, you are not living like Christ. It's the exact opposite. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. The most unbelievable dream. You can have dreams, but this notion that you can do anything you put your mind to, or if, it can, if you can conceive it, then it's possible. I, where did that come from, for Pete's sake? To prevent somebody from feeling bad? Oh my goodness. I'd like to see you become a tree. Try it. <laughs> no. Let's, let's be real here. The source from which your belief and dreams come from is critically important. Okay? And your motivation for it. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And I think this is where the difference comes in. When the Spirit of Christ energizes you, boy, those egocentric thoughts don't have room in that. And you start to be others-centered. Oh, shoot, that's love. Agape. You begin to see the person sitting beside you as equal to you. The love of Christ in them. You're one with them. They're one with Christ. You see the light of Christ in them. Even if they don't go to church. 
even if they don't claim to be a believer, even if they claim to be something else or believe something else, you, by experiencing this and the energizing of Christ, lets you see them as loved. And if you believe that, you might actually treat them that way, but you first need to see yourself as loved as well. Now we offer up to God all the gracious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Manifest meaning these things are still to come. God is doing a work in us and he's not done. A love, the First Nations translation of this. It's more gentle. That's why I like the First Nations. It's, it's just a softer more contemplative way of seeing the scripture. It slows us down. And for all those people that have ADHD, it's hard to read slower. (laughs) Trust me. I am praying to the maker of life, who, by his great power, working in us. And I love that every translation speaks of the powers working in us. You don't have to get the engine primed. You don't have to turn that key. Uh, that, that, that's not your job. <laughs> There's less of you in this equation and more of union than you possibly know. He can do far more than what we ask for, more than our small minds can imagine. I love that, small minds. Ah, So many people think they have a big mind. (laughs) Anyway, uh, may his sacred family and the chosen one bring honor to him across all generations. Look at that. The other two translations said church. May his sacred family and the chosen one bring honor to him across all generations to the time beyond the end of all days. Aho, may it be so. That's a new line. Aho, may it be so. I can just see that going somewhere. Anyway, um, this whole sacred family thing, bringing honor. Uh, Been chewing on this concept of worship and I've been having a conversation with a couple people about this. Churchianity, the church, Western church, would like to put the word bring worship to God. But the word honor and something like it is more accurate in this intent. God doesn't need your worship. What we do here on Sundays, we call it a worship service. And years ago, I thought it was me coming to church. And when I do this, I am worshiping God. And if I'm singing a good song I love, then my heart catches up and I'm worshiping God. And, you know, that's, that's my worship. And as soon as we're done worship, now we got to sit and listen to a sermon. <laughs> Sorry. But that's not worship. Worship is a response. It's not a, oh, you're so wonderful. Because we see that all through scriptures. You're so wonderful. Even Jesus didn't want to be worshipped. He said, worship my father. He did not ask to be worshipped. That might be a shocker to some of you. So, do you ever meet people that want to be (laughs) worshipped? 
no, it's doctor so-and-so to you, or reverend doctor, or rev, or, you know. They want their names to be out there. They want to be recognized, and that's an act of worship. It really is. Respect. But when you demand it, it's not authentic. And I think when the energizing spirit of Christ in us motivates us, our worship will be love. That is our worship. It's actually not complicated anymore. Singing songs isn't worship. It can, it can become that. Sitting and listening to a message can be worship. Making great coffee is worship. Sorry. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Like, let's not religiize or over-churchize that word. Because I think it's lost its... It's been the picture on the wall. We worship God. And some of our songs reflect that. And I don't think it's necessarily the true intent of what I've been sharing with you just now. It's more. It's better. Philippians 4, 4 4-9 in the Passion Translation says, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the Anointed One. There is another energizing, from within, way we respond. Be cheerful with joyous celebration. It doesn't say happy. Happy is usually connected to happenings. Joy is a state of recognizing who lives in you and living from that peace, who is peace. Because you're united. To me, this union thing is the biggest and most important thing we need our minds to believe about Christ, that we are in union with the anointed one. We're not separate. Let gentleness or fairness and humility be seen in every relationship. For our Lord is ever near. <laughs> well, that's, uh, let's quickly get over that one and not focus on that too much because that might actually poke, 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 poke some of us and we realize we're not gentle all the time. I'm speaking to me. There are times I'm not gentle, but I don't recognize it either all the time. But it's about me recognizing my union at every given moment so that the fruit of that recognition, gentleness comes out. I'd rather listen to a gentle teacher than a hellfire brimstone yeller I have no room for that anymore, at all. They're speaking from a place of darkness, not light, in my opinion. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Now, that one's hard. I'm not worrying, I'm just concerned. <laughs> nice excuse, nice try. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled, whose faith? As Russ was talking about, the faith of Christ. Your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. 
How many times are we pulled in different directions? Well, this news story, this political thing, oh no, that, pull, pull, pull. Stop. You're not creating light, you're creating darkness in the conversations. Walk away. Be saturated in prayer, that's different. It doesn't mean closing your eyes, folding your hands, squinting, and you know, kneeling and having your list and your Bible all around you. It can look like that, which is what I grew up with. That's not being saturated in prayer. Prayer is in the moment, being open to hear Jesus speaking to you at any given second while you drive, walk, go, wherever. Drive with your eyes open. That's how it works. So you can still hear Christ in you. Prompting you. I get nature prompts often when I drive early in the morning because the sunrise is so incredible. But I also get awakened to people and by people when I see. Are you? Or are you just blinders on and don't look at anybody else because it might affect you, it might infect you? <laughs> Be saturated. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make answers known to you through Jesus Christ. I think it's so important that we catch this right here. He'll make answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Another translation, the Greek will say, guard your hearts and minds in Christ. He will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. The Aramaic will say, it will make your answers known to you through Christ. Who's the onus on here? Not you. Maybe just let the air of our lungs for just a moment go, oh, I'm tired of this effort of trying to figure God out, trying to hear God, and we just maybe stop trying. This message is not about you trying harder to hear God. If you're hearing that, you're hearing it wrong. I'm asking you to turn your antenna up. Be aware. There's always a voice speaking to you. Always. And some of you say, no, there isn't. That can't be possible. That's great. I can understand that lens, but I think, I think the Holy Spirit is constantly whispering to us. Any condemnation voices you hear is not the Holy Spirit. Philippians in the Passion Translation, verse 8 so keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic, real, honorable, and admirable, beautiful, and respectful, pure, holy, merciful, and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Are you depressed, having a hard time? I know weather plays a factor into it. Time, seasonal depression can happen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where are you focusing your thinking that you're now losing hope? having a lack of direction, there's a beautiful text that we were just reading now, Philippians 4. Print it off and read it every morning to start your day if that's what you need until the Holy Spirit actually starts to have it bubble from inside you. It's okay to do all that. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Again, you can misread this. And the God of peace will be with you if you put this into practice. That's not it. The peace of Christ is with you anyway. But when you put this into practice, you experience that peace. There's a difference. Colossians 3, 1 to 2. The R N R S V A version. So, 
If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, just going to warn you, the word if should be since. It's not an if. So are you seated with Christ? No. It's since you're seated with Christ, you've been raised with Christ. Big difference. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. That's like the Philippians. How do we set our minds? We were just told how we can. If you needed something practical just to get yourself going, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Wow. How would you like to be reminded of that? Your resurrection is Christ's resurrection. You were raised with Christ. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Now, okay, nope, a little bit further. Um, Passion Translation continues and says, Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. The key is, are you able to determine or figure out if you're distracted or not? (laughs) Having good friends makes that possible. It really does. Those who are journeying with you in faith, and you can be free and have conversations about the message. I don't usually use the message, but this one's really well written. (laughs) I love this by Eugene Peterson. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Okay, it's funny. However, it's like you're one with Christ. Now act like it. You already are. So act like what you are. Quit acting like who you aren't. That's what hypocrisy is. Not acting and living like you are. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorbed with the things that are right in front of you. That happens a lot. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. Seeing things from his perspective. I love that. (laughs) The mirror translation. See yourselves co-raised with Christ. Similar to Christ's resurrection is your resurrection. Now ponder with persuasion the consequence of your co-inclusion in him. Relocate yourselves mentally. This is work. People say, well, under grace, I don't have to do anything. No, you don't have to do anything to get grace or get love or get forgiven or get holy or anything like that. But because you are, you're going to do. You're going to put things into practice. And here's some practical advice on that. Engage your thoughts with throne room realities where you are co-seated with Christ in the executive authority of God's right hand. I thought I was going to say executive suite. (laughs) But same thing. Becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts will keep you from being distracted again by the earthly soul-ruled realm. Do you see the power of multiple translations in this? I hope it's consistent. I hope you're hearing this message. I think this is the last one. hope so. Eek! Okay, we're almost done. Um, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new person. There's that if. 
So it's since. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Ephesians 2. Let me just see how many more I got. Oh, are you kidding? Okay, no. Sorry, we're done. <laughs> I thought it was going to get done. Ah. All right. Another time. Heavenly Father, you are the one at work already in us. Wake us up to that reality. Help us to become acquainted with this truth. Christ in us. In union with us. We lack nothing. I repent of living and speaking and acting from lack. I want to live from the fullness that is already true in me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.